Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Wonderful, guys. That was a great game. Really enjoyed that. Very entertaining. Thank you for the creativity uh, of the guys there. And um, you see, I've got a hidden talent. Do you like that? Yeah. yeah? Was, I, was I in tune? No. No? Oh, well. That's the reason why I'm not on the worship team. So um, it's great to, to, to see you all this morning, and, and it is a special day today. Can I just say from me, happy Father's Day to all of you that are here, um, and it's, it's just it's a great day to be in church, um, and it's a great day just to celebrate fathers as well. Uh, for those of you that are new um, to, to Arena, I don't know if there's any of you out there, but um, I'm the campus pastor at, here at Arena Mansfield, and it's my privilege to, to be able to just share a little bit this morning But more importantly, it's not going to be about me sharing this morning. It's going to be about other people sharing. Hence the fact that we've got a spare chair here. And um, if you don't know, you probably do. But we believe at Arena Church that our mission is to go and grow and love and serve our community. Um, We don't believe, as we've seen on on the Serve Day video, we don't believe it's about us here in these four walls. We believe it's about so much more. It's about getting out and actually making a difference in the community. And the way we do that is by encouraging people to know God, to find freedom, to discover their purpose and make a difference. So you'll see these posters up on the right-hand wall, uh, which basically say those things, just to remind you guys, they, they're not just up there for decoration, they're up there for a reason, because we want to just lay these things in. We want to be very clear about why we exist as church. Um, and it's, it, as much as we have a great time on a Sunday, it's not just all about us here on a Sunday having a great time praising God. It's about going beyond. And, and so today, um, we just want to focus a little bit in, on those first two parts of, of how we go about making a difference in our world um, by encouraging people to know God uh, and find freedom. And, and so I'm blessed to be able to invite a couple people up here where I'm just going to really interview them and hear a little bit about their story. And so the first person I want to call up today is Carl. Uh, So Carl's going to join us. Give Carl a a round of applause here. Good to have you, Carl. You got the thing there. Great. Fantastic, Carl. Well, it's good, good to have you here. And um, it's Carl's, is your first time speaking up at yeah. the front? Yeah? Yes, yeah, yeah? it is. Yeah. Carl's, for those of you who don't know, most of us know Carl really well. And Carl's one of our great prayer warriors and faithful uh, men of the church, and uh, as is Sue, uh, his wife. And, and I've got to hear a little bit about Carl's story. And I think you, you guys are going to be inspired uh, by his story as well today. And so, Starting out, Carl, just um, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your background before you came to know God. Well, initially, I, I was born in Arnold. Um, I was, I'm a twin. I've got a twin brother, Clive, and we all seem to be in mischief. I can remember that. And when we moved to Baseford, when we became the age of about um, 10 or 11, and then I started going to school there and, and senior school, I thought school was just for getting the cane and strap. I thought that's all you went for, uh. you know, because that's all I seemed to get at the time. So I made a decision. I thought, well, no, I'll stay away that way. It's not going to happen. And I did. I, my regret, and I did regret it at the time, you know. And um, so I started work at the age of 14 
when all my friends were still going to school and um, I was starting I did a pop round you know and I loved it I really did I, I, it's what I wanted to do at that age you know at that time in life and this time went on you know I met Sue it was New Year's Eve 1964 it was and she was at an house over the road um, supposed to have been a New Year's party but there was only three of them her and her two friends <laughs> you know. anyway we started courting you know we was courting for five years and we got married in 19 no tell her right now whoa whoa whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm in trouble I'm in trouble here we started calling, we was calling for five years, but in 1967, my brother came home and he said, I've joined the army. So I decided that was for me as well. You know, we were close at that time, so we went together. He joined up, I went down in the afternoon, and I joined up the same, you know, at the same time. 1969, we got married, Sue and I, you know, and we were married one week, and then after that week, we went on and moved to London and to Colchester. And then I went out to Northern Ireland. I did three tours in Northern Ireland. It was 1970, we was posted to Germany. And that's really when my problem really did start. Because in Germany, there was no tax on such on drink or cigarettes. I used to smoke 60 cigarettes a day and drink-wise, the bars, there must have been at least 30 bars on the camp. It was a garrison camp, 30 bars. And I've seen guys come out there and it was so cheap, you know, the, the, the drink. I've seen them and there used to be tall buildings, big three-storey building barracks. And I've seen them crawl along the guttering of these barracks, drunk into the next bar or back to the room. You know, it was horrendous, really, when I look back. But at time, I mean, I can remember uh, going out one Friday night, I think it was, and rolling in back Monday morning or, or Sunday night, I think, you know. And um, I asked Sue if my Sunday dinner was ready. And I got it, believe me. <laughs> you know, it wasn't for eating, you know. She gave it me all right. But... Um, we loved it out there, we did, we had a great time, you know, we really did have a great time. But then I could see the drink was starting to get a bit of an odd on my life. It was then um, that um, I, I, while I was in Germany, I had this problem with my bike, I was doing tug of war, I got a problem in my bike and I started to drag my leg and it, it was diagnosed as ankylosing spondylitis, you know. But I was still a bit of a lad in the army, you know, because they asked me to take rank. I wouldn't take rank. I'd sooner be with my friends and, you know, stay as a, as a gunner, you know. And um, there was times we'd be on exercise 40 miles away. I was a driver in the army first and, um, and there'd be an exercise going off, a big NATO exercise. And I decided to take a wagon and go and visit Suatome. You know, and uh, I was still that way inclined, you know. But I've learnt one thing in life, or two. You can't win or beat the army, and you certainly can't beat God. You know, there's no way. But anyway, when we left, when we came back to England, we came back 
early and um, we started to build a house up. We went back to London first. I went with the horses in London and then we came back to Nottingham to build the house that we had. I always thought the grass was greener to the side as you do, you know. I, I know how mistaken I was at the time because the job fell through that I was going to do and everything, you know, and we was we were struggling. We were all struggling, you know, but through Sue's love and support, you know, it's a great mother, a great wife, you know. Mm. And there was times... Um, when I was having this bike problem, in and out of all over wood, things were getting me down on top of me. I started drinking and again and, um, and so on. But then, actually, what happened was um, I started work and I started contracting. And at this time, that led me again to the drink because there's nothing you can do when you're out of town. There's a gang of lads, they're all going out to the pub you go out with them. It got that bad where I could drink, and as small as my frame is, I was, could drink 14 pints a night. Mm. Guys wouldn't even get involved with me as far as keeping in rounds were concerned. And I'd be sometimes 40, 80 foot up in the air working on substations and what have you. There were nuclear sites, nuclear power stations, you know, and it was, you know... I was struggling, I really was. And I used to come home at the weekend and I still wanted to be out. I got in that routine. Sue was at home all week, minding the children and what have you. And I'd go out Saturday dinner, Saturday night, Sunday lunch. So selfish when I look back. And Sunday evening, Mm. you know, I was aggressive to her and she put up with it all, you know. But I know... It was coming to the end that I could quite easily have lost my marriage. And I think I would have done if I hadn't I've come to know the Lord. Mm. You know, so. Wow, that's, that, thanks yeah. for sharing that, yeah. uh, Carl. I mean, you've started, I suppose, hinting at it already. But yeah. um, my next question would be, well, you know, how did you come to, to know God? Well, Tell us a little bit about that part of your story. Well, I, I'd had this bike problem, as I said, and um, we had this track put through the door from Strelly Church, you know, and I'd thank the Lord that we did, you know. At first, and it's so easy to say, yes, we'll go, you know. And, but I had an argument with Sue. I said, look, the doctors have tried everything. What do you think a church can do? You know, naivety. But anyway, just to appease her, I said, all right, we'll go. No more, we'll go. And this was about eight to ten days away, the meeting was, and it was George Cante, crusade. The time comes and Sue says, well, are we going? I thought, well, I thought she'd have, you know, hoping she'd forgotten, like, you know. <laughs> but I went under protest. I went like a kid being dragged to school for the first time, you know, hands in pockets, head, head down, slugging my feet along the, the ground and what have you. And, but what made it worse... When Sue had rung up to say we'd be there, Pauline, the, uh, the pastor's wife, said, there'll be a seat on the front row for you. <laughs> I thought, front row? You know, I thought, no way. <laughs> you know. Anyway, we went and I went to the... We did go to the front and I, I sat there on the front and Pastor Canty made this appeal. 
you know, and um, for anybody to come out with problems, sickness, and for healing and a touch from the Lord. And I stepped out. I went out and I wasn't healed. I wasn't, not in my body, but up here in my mind, in my heart, I was. Mm. Something changed, really changed. Yeah, that's great. You know, and um, Mm. I just felt this great weight, you know, when he made the appeal and at the end, and this great weight being lifted from his shoulders. You know, it was wonderful. I felt Mm. this void, this emptiness that I was substituting with cigarettes, with drink, you know, had been filled. Mm. You know, it was fabulous. You know, I can't explain really the joy within that I felt, you know, and it was the antidote and, the, you know, the solution to my marriage as well mm. because the Lord did bless us, you know, and um, I'm just so grateful for that, you know. And, I mean, as a, as a young man, I used to get in a lot of trouble. I used to get in fights, a lot of fights and all at school. My dad, when we were young, he bought us boxing gloves. He made us go out on the backyard, me and my brother, and we used to hammer each other. You know, but I always used to let him win because he struggled a bit with asthma, you know. And when I was at school, I used to get, when I went, I used to get ragdolled by a group of lads, older lads and what have you. But they couldn't make me cry. But I've shed more tears since knowing the Lord, mm. you know, than I've ever shed from a good hiding or anything else, you know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, fantastic. Great. And I did go home and I can remember my two lads, they're only in the teens at the time, and they said to me, have you been saved, Dad? I said, you know, I said, no. I said, but I do know I've got to be there on the Sunday night. That was the following night, and I went on the Sunday. Yeah, huh. fantastic. That's great. Yeah. That's great. It's, a, it's, it's good to hear your story, Carl, and I think, I think right now it's even speaking to people here in the building, and it's, we, we talk about the word knowing God, and, and we talk about it a lot in Arena. But um, what, from a personal point of view, what does knowing God really mean to you? Well, knowing God to me, it, I wrote a few items down because I don't want to leave anything out. But it was to live in the light of salvation is God and his free gift. And it carries with it an obligation. You know, we do need to make changes. And God does help you. You know, the Lord does help you. We do need to make changes in our lives, you know. Now, I had a problem, even when I was a Christian, for a few years with smoking. So I will never put anybody down for smoking or judge anybody. But the Lord did take it away from me, you know. And, and the same with the drink. We was out for a few weeks. We was out with our family because uh, we always used to meet on a Saturday and Sunday and have a night out and a sing-song in the pub. But we felt like fish out of water. We really did feel strange. We didn't want to be there. And I can remember Sue's sister saying, oh, give it a few months, you'll be back out with us. It never happened. We wasn't. Mm. You know, because God replaced the drink and the smoking with something else. Mm. You know, something wonderful, you know. Mm. And, and it was a blessing. But like I say, we do need to change. We do to make, need to make change, you know. And, and most people think that you've got to give so much up when you come to know the Lord. You don't. 
it's taken away from you and there's a lot more added onto it. Yeah, that's you good. You know, it's just absolutely fantastic. Great. And it's that within knowing each morning when you wake up, every morning when I wake up, I always try to say, as soon as I don't mind, thank you, Lord, for this day. Yeah. Thank you for what you've done, yeah. you know, mm. because it's the price you paid for our salvation, you know. That's it's good. just absolutely wonderful. Good, good. Yeah. That's great, Carl. Obviously, a relationship with God, knowing God is a very personal thing and, yeah. and, and that's something that we each have. But we're also part of a bigger group of, of you know, a family, a church. Yeah. Um, explain a little bit about how the role <coughs> the church has to play in, in you knowing God. Yeah. Well, it says it all like this, this morning. I'm here because I know you love me and I love you, you know, and the support you get from the church and from the family. I mean, the church isn't the building, it isn't the bricks and mortar. This is church, you are the church, you know, and it's just absolutely wonderful. The encouragement, the support we've had as a couple and as a family, it's just extraordinary. And it's all because of the Lord, you know. And anybody who's struggling, if I know I'm struggling with anything, you know, whether it be financially, whether I'm low in spirit or anything, I know you guys would be at the back of me, supporting me, holding me up, you know. It's the way we are. It's, it's our makeup now, isn't it? You know, yeah. into the Lord, you know. So, yeah. And the other thing is the learning. Um, I love Tuesday morning prayer meetings. Not because I'm good at prayer, because I'm not. I don't think I am. But I want to get better. And it's great to start the day off with brothers and sisters in Christ, praising the Lord, you know, glorifying him and bringing our prayers and our requests. Mm. You know, it's not all about asking, really, I've learned that. It's about giving, giving God the thanks and the praise he truly deserves, mm. you know. And when we reach that stage where we know, I mean, God doesn't automatically, as soon as you become a Christian, he doesn't say to you, right, that's it. I'm empowering you with everything, you know. Everything's going to be unkidore. It isn't. Mm. We'll go through troubles, you know. And Sue will tell you, up to recently, I was my own worst enemy because I used to kick myself, judge myself, you know. I used to think this isn't happening to others, but it is, it does. Everybody has problems, some greater than others, you know. Mm. But I know I've got the blessing and the support of God and the church itself, you know. And then we do have, obviously, the meetings, the word from the front. I know that the word isn't going to be watered down or compromised in any way, shape or form. What you see is what you get, and it's honesty as well. That's great. Yeah. That's great. Well, we're just about to finish up, but one more question before we do that, um, Carl. Carl's a very wise man. He's, He's softly spoken. He doesn't pretend to you know make claims about being wise but i know he is and so if there's one piece of advice uh, that you could give to people who maybe don't know god or or want to deepen their relationship or deepen their knowledge of god if there's one uh, nugget of advice you could give what what would it be yeah well the first thing i would say is to anybody if it's your first time or second time at arena church you're not here by accident you're here mm. by appointment Mm. by God's appointment, you know. And come the end of the meeting, you know, you will have a decision to make. You will be told from the front, you know, there's two ways you can go. Everybody goes through eternity. Everybody has eternity. 
But where you spend that eternity is down to yourself. Mm. You know, I'll tell you about the first eternity, the choices I made and every Christian has made. I don't want to tell you about the second because it's frightening. But I will tell you about the love of God, you know, and that choice. You know, it'll be the best decision you will ever make in your life. It won't be easy, it won't be a bed of roses. It's, you know, it's same as I say, you will incur problems along the way, but you'll have the support of the Lord and the church. And when you think and stop to think what God did for you, and that he gave his only begotten son, you know, upon that cross, you know, for your salvation, mm. and to take away your sins and cast them into that sea of forgetfulness, it's just fantastic. The same as say, you will yeah. experience, I'm sure, that weightlessness of your sin being lifted from you, that void being filled within, that emptiness within. Great. You know, it's, um, it's just a wonderful, it's just wonderful. I've never regretted one moment of that decision I made. You know, I've been a Christian for 32 years now. I love the Lord more and more, and your faith does increase the longer you go. Mm. But as a new Christian... You, you will need support, you know. The adversary will try to get in and have knocks at you, but that's what the family's here for, mm. you know. We're, we're here, everybody's here to support you, you know. That's all you need to do is just ask or tell someone when you're feeling low in spirit, you know, or you need help, you right. know, but that's it. Yeah. That's wonderful. Why don't we give it up yeah. to Carl? Thank yeah. you, Carl. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bless you. Fantastic. So, more to come. And our next person that uh, is going to join me up here is Leslie. Where's Leslie? Is she right there? She's there. Fantastic. Let's give Leslie a big round of applause. There you go. Leslie, for those of you that don't know, is, is a, one of our, another one of our heroes here. At Arena, she was this week. She does so much through the week, supporting community work and volunteering, doing so much. But this week in particular, she was a real hero because we had some wind, some really uh, big, you know, wind storms on. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday night, and uh, and so you may have seen some of our front signage uh, got blown off the front of the church. And so she was there. She did pulling this heavy signage through back to the back of the building, all on her own, just to try to neaten it up and. And, uh, you know, so just one example of, of how much she does around the church. And, and so it's a blessing to have you here, Leslie. And thanks for agreeing to, 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 to spend some time up here with me. So tell us a little bit about yourself, I guess, before we get into a few more questions, um, a bit about your background before knowing God. Yeah, um, I was born at Langworth and grew up there. That's where I lived nearly all my life, for um, nearly 30 years. Um, I didn't have a great childhood, but it weren't terrible either. Um, I've got a fantastic dad. Um, I've honoured today on Father's Day. Amazing. The kindest, most helpful man ever. He's done such a lot for me throughout my life, always. Um, my mum, she wasn't so great. Um, she was quite a cruel, cruel mum. Um, she wasn't nice to us growing up. She was cruel to my dad, very, very cruel to my dad. And he, he protected us from that a lot um, for many years until it came to a point where he, he couldn't stay any longer and he left. Um, he tried to take us with him. It, that, that couldn't happen, that couldn't work. Um, I tried to maintain um, 
as much of a relationship with him as I could. He came to see us regularly. He tried to get us away. And then when I was 14, um, my mum gave us all an ultimatum. Um, have our lives with her or go um, if we wanted anything to do with my dad. If we stayed at home, we weren't allowed to ever see him again, speak of him or speak to him. And uh, my brother and sister complied with that um, because they were scared of her. Um, and they they stopped all contact. And to this day, they've never had, had contact with him again. Um, but I, I wanted to. I wanted that relationship with my dad. Um, and so my mum kicked me out. She destroyed all my belongings, um, smashed everything up, cut all my clothes up. I was allowed to take nothing with me. And she, literally, it was it were, it were like nine, ten o'clock at night as well, and said, you've made your decision, go. And she physically threw me out of her house and, and told me to go. So um, I walked miles to my dad's house, where his new house, he lived with his, um, his new wife and stepchildren. And I turned up on his doorstep in the middle at night, and like he just welcomed me, welcomed me in. Tried to reconcile with my mum. She she wasn't interested, and I didn't see or speak to her for oh, quite a lot of years. I think four or five years. Till I was about eighteen, nineteen. Um, we bought an house near where she lived, um, very close to her, same street almost. Um, but to start with, she still wouldn't wouldn't speak to me. She worked at the same place as me. Um, we worked in the same nursing home because I'd been there since I was 16 um, and she worked there but she used to make sure her shifts weren't with me if she had to be in the building at the same time as me she'd refuse to speak to me and other staff would also refuse to speak to me um, while she was there because they were worried of the repercussions from her um, and then I met my partner, who's my children's dad. We're not together now, but I met him when I was 15. Um, and like I say, we live near my mum. And we had quite a good life for, for many years. Um, it, that changed when we moved into Mansfield to be nearer his older grown-up children um, because we'd lost our home um, and we had nowhere else to go. Um, so we came here and that's when things, things changed. Um, we'd not been in Mansfield long and Jamie decided that um, he wanted to take up his career again in drumming. Um, he was very successful in that when he was younger, but he'd given it up um, for us. Um, and then he decided that that's what he wanted to do and that basically me and the girls were holding him back. And so he was leaving us. And he, he went, he left. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came here not long after, after yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, well. So tell us a little bit how you... How you came to know God and how you came into a relationship with Jesus? How did that? Um, not long before Jamie left, I'd really out of character started volunteering at a charity shop on Chesterfield Road, um, Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I met Gail Bamford. Um, I didn't know her very well. Um, we didn't work together, but we'd, we'd pass over, we'd cross over. I knew who she was. Um, it was the, the the guys that were running the shop that I knew more. And they'd been telling me for months since I started there, oh, you should be, come to church, you know. And I'm thinking, no, that's not for me. Not something I want to do. I wasn't, I weren't a bad person, you know. We lived quite a, quite a good life. I would help people, but not anything like being a Christian. And I just thought that is not for me at all. I had this vision, you know, 
church buildings with stained glass windows, boring vicar at the front, talking you to sleep, and then going out. Yeah, don't we? Because <laughs> um, that's what I remembered church has been from being a little child when me and nan and granddad used to make me go yeah um, and i kept thinking um, don't ask me and i did say to him stop asking me or, or i'll stop coming here um i'm not interested i don't want to do that that changed when jamie did leave because for me he'd be for him it, it had been a process he, he'd, he'd been thinking about it for a long long time um, but he'd never discussed it with me. It just came out of the blue. One Friday night, he said, I'm going. He'd already arranged somewhere else to go and and and, and live, and he was stopping with his mum until that he could put that in place. Um, but he says, I'm off, I'm going. Like after 16 years, um, it, it just decided to go, and I just broke. Um, I, didn't, I didn't want to live. Um, I did try and commit suicide. I took... Um, a very, very big um, paracetamol overdose. Um, every, the, all the paramedics and the nurses, the doctors, everyone said that because of the, the amount I took and especially the lapse in time um, of being found and going to hospital, they don't know how I survived the night. Mm. Um, I were in hospital for um, 52 hours on a drip, wow. um, replacing fluids, I'd had, um, I, I did have to eventually have an operation on my stomach, mm-hmm. um, did a massive amount of damage to my liver um, and my kidneys, which I'm not having problems with now, but I'd, for a long, long time I did. But um, I obviously, with, I was in hospital for, for all that time seeing psychiatrists and I still had to see one when I came out. But um, I went up to the shop that I came home and I had two days at home because I was really still physically ill and I thought I've got to go and tell them why I've not been in I I wasn't going to tell them the truth I was just going to tell them I'd been ill apologise and say I don't think I can carry on coming here anymore Um, my intention was to not go back I didn't want to go back but I wanted to give them something just not not turn up um, when I got there, um, Gail were there. She was the one working, and she says to me, Come, "You know something's wrong." I says, "I'm fine." I didn't. I didn't want to talk to her. I didn't want to tell her tell her anything. Um, and she was going to leave at that. She walked away from me, but then she she turned round and she came back and she said, "Look, let's go in to one of the sheds. We need to talk. I'll talk to you." And I just I told her everything. Told her what I'd, what had happened, where I'd been, what I'd done. And she says, uh, can I pray for you? Or normally I, I would have laughed at someone saying that. Well, I mm. said, yeah, that's what I wanted. And that was the first, for her as well, that's the first time she'd ever prayed um, out loud for somebody or ever felt the need to do it, mm. um, which she did. And she, um, she stayed with me all day. And she says, uh, come to church on Sunday. Um, and there were no question about it. I did. I just I came with her on the, on the Sunday. Mm. Um, and that's how I ended up coming to Arena. <laughs> wow, that's great. It's wonderful to hear. We were talking about finding freedom in particular, and, and for those of you that don't, when you commit your life to Jesus, you're instantly forgiven, you're instantly saved, but there's also then a process of, of I guess, getting over and, and breaking old habits from the past yeah. and, and, and changing, renewing your mind. Uh, and things like that. So tell us a little bit about your journey and towards finding freedom after you knew God. Yeah, well, um, I had a 
a big impact from God straight away, but I don't think at the time I realised it. Mm-hmm. Um, to start with, I was coming here because the people were nice, <laughs> they were kind to me, um, yeah. and it was somewhere to go on a Sunday. Um, I was stuck in a bit of a... Because um, my mum took my two children while I was in hospital, and um, they've never actually been returned to me. This, this, they live with my mum now. Um, but I were in a position where I went. I was still going to work. Um, I was working quite long hours. But when I weren't at work, I literally had nothing at all to do, mm-hmm. um, and I didn't know what to do. I'd, I'd wake up some mornings and just I'd lay in bed for three, four, five, six hours um, because I'd got nothing to get up for until I went to work. I'd got not got the children or Jamie to look after anymore. I'd got nothing to do in the house because they weren't there. Um, nobody to spend any time with or do anything with um, and so I was just sort of on autopilot I kept, I did keep coming to church um, and Gail kept coming and asking me and inviting me and I'd keep coming but it was just something to do mm. I, I, thought, I felt at the time um, it were, and it was probably a good few months later um, when I started realising, I was actually taking in what was being said to me. I didn't think I was. I just thought, yeah, they're just saying that. Don't apply to me. It doesn't count. But it was a few months later, and I thought, it really is having an impact on me as a person. Um, I was going through a really horrendous court battle with my mum over the, over the children. And to start with, I didn't do myself any favours. Um, I was walking in, I was angry. Um, I was angry at the judge, at the social workers that had got involved, everyone. And so I did myself no favours. My mum's view and take on it was, she was telling everyone I was mentally unstable and unfit to look after the girls. And I was just basically proving them right with my attitude, my behaviours. And it it was learning God's word and finding God that changed all that in me. Mm. Um, And it was changing from the start. I just didn't didn't realise it. When I, when I look back now to the person that I was, um, out, outwardly to a lot of other people that don't know me, I've, I've not changed. But inwardly, my art, my attitude, and my faith, just knowing that no matter what happens, I, I haven't got to fear it yeah. because God is in every situation with me. That's great. That's good to hear. Yeah, we believe that. Um, well, this, go for it. We believe in Arena that a big part of finding freedom and, and growing with God is, is through small groups. Uh, and, you know, that's something we passionately believe in here. Um, now, tell us a little bit about how small groups and particular those relationships around you have, have helped you find freedom. Yeah, um, when Arena's quite a big church um, and it can be... It can be very frightening, the amount of people that's here. And everyone was lovely. Every, everybody spoke to me, mm-hmm. were kind to me. But I didn't really know anyone a, mm-hmm. apart from Robert and Gail, Karen, Mortiboy, and a, just a few people. There were a very small group of people that I knew yeah. and, um, and was becoming friends with. But I didn't really know anyone else, just the faces, the names, and, and who they were. Um, and then... Gail invited me to Paul and Liz's small group, and that is when the biggest impact was, the biggest change. It was were, it were quite big for a small group at the time. We were meeting here at church. Um, it was too big for their house. But 
within weeks, I got very close to a lot of people. They got to know all these people um, very closely. Mm. And then it just it just went from there. Then you get to know more people. And you can be so much more open with people. Um, and they can help you more because you're more willing to open up to them. Yeah. Um, so I, I stayed in their small group for quite a while. And now I'm part of um, Gail's Ladies Lunch lunch small group. Right. That's good. <laughs> It's wonderful to hear. We, we're probably running a bit short on time, so I had a few other questions, but I'll, I'll finish up with this one, Leslie. Again, the same that I said to, to Carl. If there's one piece of you, advice that you would like to give people, I suppose, who know God and are walking that journey of finding freedom, um, what would it be? Um, well, to trust God. Um, everything. He is there in every situation. He's got his hand in everything. He knows everything. But be honest with him and with yourself and try and let go of the stigma of your past. Mm-hmm. Um, for a long time, that held me back. I was yeah. very ashamed of the position I'd been in with my mum and my children. Um, I'm still still getting through that now. Um, but other people don't don't care. Not here. Not in arena. Mm. Some people do. People judge. Um, it, it's human nature that a lot of people do judge. Um, and I was the biggest judge of myself. I think that's that's the one to overcome. Don't judge yourself on your past or your actions, especially on things that weren't your fault and were out of your control. Mm, that's great. Excellent. Let's thank you so much, Leslie. I've much appreciated it.